Welcome to the Come to Life podcast, where we take a look at our daily lives from a biblical perspective. I'm Larry. And I'm Peter, and we're with the San Luis Obispo Christadelphian Ecclesia, which sponsors this podcast. With us is Dr. David Reynolds, who has a Bachelor of Science with Honors, PhD in Molecular Life Sciences. He has publications in journals including Molecular Cell, Current Biology. He also has two patents in Cardiac Lineage Differentiation and endoderm lineage differentiation. David's areas of research have included molecular immunology, breast cancer, developmental biology, and he has 20 years experience working in the field since completing his PhD. With him also is his wife and my sister, Carrie Reynolds, who has a graduate diploma of psychology, a bachelor of psychological science with honors, and she is partway through a master of psychology for clinical services. So welcome, David and Carrie. Yeah, well, oh, thank hello, you. thank you. Welcome to the show. Such a big topic. Uh, how would you how would you explain in and well, of course, your words. Um, what creation is, and why why is it why is it important to inform our view of well everything? Maybe preface this with uh, reading a quote okay. uh, from the Bible from from Acts seventeen. It says, "God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth." He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the, all the face of the earth, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So, yeah, God uh, created the universe and all the life that is in it, that, uh, that everything, uh, that we can actually see everything and that we might seek him. So he has a purpose that we as um, mankind or human beings would actually go out of our way to seek out God and to look at his purpose. Another, another good quote, for that would be in Romans chapter one. It says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So in the things that we see around us, we can see God, we can see his His, his attributes, his, his, his eternal power and divine nature. So we actually see uh, what God is capable of and what he uh, has for us. And yeah, if you think about um, um, a, a garden, all right, a designed landscape, there, there is a purpose behind that landscape uh, that is, uh, shows beauty to uh, the observer. 
and these are designed to put, uh, to show that beauty to those who who go into that garden. And so this is what God has done with the creation. He actually uh, gone out there to provide the creation that we might see in it Him, and that we might uh, seek Him out and learn about what God wants. And and you know God's all about relationship and so in creating us he did without purpose um and just sort of set us sort of on the face of the earth to carry on with our lives and then left us alone he created us with the purpose that we would seek him out and seek relationship with him and honor and glorify him as our creator with appreciation for everything he's done his is absolute awe-inspiring power that we just see in everything we we see around us and to seek him out and and that brings him great joy when when we see his handiwork and, and we're just in awe of it and we seek him out humbly recognizing that you know we're just we can't even understand our own um our own selves. You know, even science is still just baffling its way through trying to come up with the answers to how it all happened. Um and it should bring us closer to God in awe of everything he's done. So and ultimately God's purpose with the earth is going to be to fill it with his glory and his righteousness as, you know, as the waters cover the sea, as Numbers says. So, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And, yeah, and that's a, that's a wonderful point, the, the beauty we, we see. Um, and we come to realize at some point, not everyone does, that um, we're being called and, and to, to seek him out. Um, you know, what a, what a glorious thing. Um, in Genesis, uh, Genesis one, very first words, um, I've heard it said in the beginning and also in a beginning. I know we're not told, um, and it's probably not important to our salvation. It's maybe why we're not told, but, uh, what, what was made up before, um, thing, you know, animals and people were created on the earth um is is there a possibility you think that that there was um something else on the on the earth or uh before that i mean it's not it's not not saying that um in genesis right yeah so let well let me let me say one thing uh and uh, just read another quote uh, from psalm 90 it says before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are god so that's the saying that you know God has always been there, and you know something I I, uh, I talked to my Sunday school class about is the the concept of grasping eternity is hard for us because we have a beginning and we have an end, right? Mm-hmm. We have a birth and we have a death, and so trying to to, to look outside of of that uh, makes it very difficult. Now, get, getting to your question about well, was there something before this creation that we're on now? Well, we can philosophize in in saying that they could have been mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But what we what we can't do is be categorical about it because uh, we're not told that in the Bible. So we can philosophize all we want, but in the end, we have to come back and say, "Well, we are told this, and this is what we do know, and that's in the in in the Bible." Yeah. Just, it, I mean, it is interesting, you know. In the beginning, God. So those are the first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. Mm-hmm. So it was always God was before everything. And that goes with that Psalm 90 verse 2 quote. You know, God created the 
and the earth and the earth was without form and void. I've never heard anyone sort of say in a beginning or the beginning, um, but he created the earth, the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. And then he, you know, begins a creative acts. And, and we just, we don't have a time frame for that. We know that he created everything. And as far as we can tell, based on what we see, life was created, you know, complete from, you know, the, the first, you know, little tiny plant to, you know, all the, the, whatever exists in the ocean, whatever exists, you know, so the microbes and the dirt and everything, they were created, you know, fully functional, fully formed because everything relied on each other to exist. You know, living animals, you know, needed the plants and the plants needed, you know, other things as well. And, you know, and too much to a, a mankind's disgrace, you can see that so much, uh, how true that is by the fact that we're killing off ecosystems. And because we're killing off ecosystems, uh, animals or, or uh, organisms are becoming extinct. Mm -hmm. I've got because we've disrupted the natural uh, creation. You know, so, so we can see that they have to be there at once, you know, together, to live. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we can see the 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 actual intelligence behind that design, and how you know, in a lot of ways, we've messed it up. Yeah. In industrial endeavors we're not really <laughs> living with nature anymore we're sort of living on top of it you know uh part about a beginning instead of the beginning in the in the hebrew I, it didn't sound like there was really a word for the and uh could be placed in uh, there's a lot of assumptions that go on there's a lot of us trying to fill in the gaps and i think by that i think honestly that's human nature like a survival thing uh that we're we have to make assumptions we have to sometimes make um split second you know decisions and fill in, fill in the blanks if you see an object in the dark sometimes your mind will fill in a face or, <laughs> or whatever you know you're right i think it comes from that quote uh, uh, peter uh, opened up with with ecclesiastes 3 right when he says he has made everything beautiful in its time also he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what god has done from the beginning to the end so, you know, man is endeavouring to find out the the reasoning behind and, and how it all, all went together. But, you know, we, we can't fathom uh, the, the in-depth detail that God has done or put there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, the, and that's Solomon too, you know, the wisest man that ever existed and a real scientist in his own right, if you sort of read about his life and the, the writings that he wrote, um, that he, he says God has you know, put eternity into our hearts. It's really hard to translate that well from the Hebrew, but the sense there is that longing for uh, wanting to know and, and have an explanation of the bigger questions, you know, the, the sense of why am I here? What's the purpose of all of this? Where did it come from? Where is it all going? God created that in us. And again, like we were saying before with those other quotes from um, Acts and Romans, he did that so that we would seek him. He, he, us above all other creatures cats don't do that they don't sit around wondering where's where's it all going you know have a waste of my life what's the purpose of it all but humans do humans can and, and god created us for relationship with him and he's, he's put that longing for understanding in us so that we're driven to search out those answers and when we can't find them to go it's bigger than me it's all just bigger than me there's got to be something out there that that made all this so yeah I might disagree with you a little bit because I think cats might sit there and ponder that because they look a little <laughs> depressed uh, sometimes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I they think they have the top of the food chain. <laughs> All right. 
and the dogs just kind of just do what they do. Uh, <laughs> uh, ignorance is bliss. In 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 creation, when when you first hear about um, the the Bible message and a creator and learn about uh, from Genesis one uh, the creation of everything, I I think an, an initial question one might have that's that um, is if this is all new to them is is how can I know that that the Bible is not just a you know an old book of literature and history and and that and that this isn't like you know myth and fairy tale and and that uh, this actually happened well it's, it's different for everybody I think so you know, everyone has the thing or the, or the several things that actually convince them that the Bible is true mm-hmm. yeah as as a scientist um, I, I get stuck in logic right so if something doesn't make sense if it doesn't follow uh, on from each other and actually uh, complement each other, then it doesn't make sense and it doesn't it's illogical to me, so I, I won't believe it. So where in the Bible, for me, if I step through the Bible, it logically fits together. And you can see um, if you become Bible students and actually look at the Bible itself, don't listen to somebody else, prove all things for yourself. Mm-hmm then you can see how the Bible fits in and moves towards a, a purpose. All right? And that, that's the, 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 the culmination of the Bible is God's purpose. Right? And, and everything fits in nice and logically to, to it. And I guess the first thing you start with when, when you look at the Bible is say, well, how was the Bible written? You know, we, we're told in, in uh, 1 Timothy that uh, the Bible was given by the inspiration of God to men through the ages. Mm-hmm. All right, and it was written by many different type people over centuries, over you know, millennia, millennia yeah. even. Yeah, and living in different parts of the world, speaking different yep. languages, living you know all the way from fishermen through to people who worked in the king's palace. <laughs> Such yeah. a, a diverse people. Yeah, and, and the fact that in it, that being the case, that it all fits together. All right, they 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 all melds together and builds on each other to for the common purpose which is woven through the whole uh, bible is god and his purpose yeah. and, and how that purpose is going to come about yeah i guess that's yeah. the consistency of i mean there's multiple ways to talk about the bible prophecy is a really good one archaeology um, um, um and archaeological evidence supporting the things that the bible does talk about there's multiple different aspects of that that you could look at um so the consistency of each Bible message being written across, you know, various parts of the world at various different times by various people, and it's consistent and it, and it fits together and it doesn't contradict itself. So you can, you know, look at the Bible as a piece of literature that way, and then prophecy, which yeah, no definitely. no other book. Some books have tried and and fallen flat on it, but fulfilled prophecy um, that could not have been the will of humans, you know, forcing circumstances to happen just because they wanted them to happen but mm-hmm. circumstances against all odds occurring that fulfilled prophecy and showed the bible to have known and, and predicted these things you know hundreds and thousands of years in advance so and you think uh you know if you take prophecy uh and you look in the bible and you say well what has god uh, or what nation has god actually focused on Right, and you, and you say, well, Israel. Right? Israel has been the focus of God from from Abraham. 
Uh, and then we then we have a look at how Israel has uh, gone through as a nation. And we know it, it grew. Uh, it went into into captivity in Egypt. It came out. It went to its own land. Right, and it dwelt in its own land for a period of time. Then we know from prophecy, and then in actuality, in the history, we know that it got went to captivity into Babylon. It came back to Israel, and then we know it dispersed again in the Roman times, back out to the nations for two, nearly two thousand years. It dispersed into all these nations, but then it came back to Israel in 1948, and we know that this this nation and and the the improbability of it is that they came back with their beliefs yeah. they came back with their language their and their and in, in that history and it's conserved there's no other nation in yeah. history that's been able to do that yeah and that's because they're god's people and that bible says that it was going to happen and it happened so outside of outside of prophecy just just the <laughs> mere chance of these these books are going into order following the same people uh and and everything in there being being true um brought these people well till to today and there's still a i mean there's still a center of of attention from from media you hear about israel all the time um and for for different reasons um and, and sort of along you know with really good scientific method again and, and, you know, comes in with Bible studies, um, don't come in with a preconceived bias, don't, don't come into Bible study or a science experiment with um, what you expect the answer to be because you'll end up with what they call confirmation bias. Mm. You will ignore everything that doesn't support what you wanted it to say, and that can happen in experiments where you discount results. Like I was saying before about Einstein discounted his own, you know, findings that he was having because he didn't believe it was even possible. So confirmation bias made him blind to the fact that the universe was expanding. And we can do that with Bible study too. If we come in, well, obviously God, da, 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 or obviously this is true. And we only seek out the verses that'll prove that to us. Oh yeah. Well, we haven't, we haven't really done Bible study at that point. So if we come to the Bible with a question and say, and this would be good scientific method as well, what is the answer to like uh, some people came, um, to study the Bible more clearly and came to a better understanding of what the Bible teaches with the question, what really happens when we die? Because mm-hmm. that, that goes up in multiple areas. Well, what does happen? Is there anything after this existence? Uh, is there a heaven that we all go to with immortal souls? Is there a hell? Is there a devil down in that hell? So it sort of took them off in different directions and the, their Bible study, their Bible study itself took them in the direction of realising God's promise is with this earth (laughs) and to fulfill like you're talking about with Daniel 2 the stone not formed with men's hands hitting the image in the feet and Mm -hmm. growing into a mountain that encompasses the whole earth well the kingdom's going to be on earth Mm -hmm. and anyone who has not lived long enough to be here when that stone who is Jesus comes how are you going to receive that promise because God doesn't break his promises and he has promised for those who are faithful and worthy will be in that kingdom with his son. Well, if you're dead and the kingdom's on earth, cloud is not going to help you with that. And then through your Bible study, you find we're resurrected. Our physical, biological, you know, forms that were created from the dust in the first place are reconstituted from that dust 
and God breathes back the breath of life into us again and we are resurrected bodies. So, you know, that's that's one example of, um, it was Dr. John Thomas um, who, you know, coined the term Christadelphian. That, that's what brought him. He said, I need to know what happens after we die. I, I need an answer because I'm not satisfied with this soul sitting on clouds in heaven answer because the Bible didn't support it. Christians who believe in God and creation who also say, well, evolution too. Um, and I don't know if that's that theistic evolution or what, but the idea of, well, then where, if evolution is real, it had to have been created by God then. But, and if it's just evolution by itself that you're going off of, where does an immortal soul come from? How did that evolve? You know? Right. And, and, and and that, I mean, that's like a whole separate area and that does sort of get more into, you know, like David's side of things is biology and cells and, you know, how they can, you know, in a Petri dish and kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's not that conscious awareness. And that's where sort of it, it moves into sort of the things I'm interested in. And who who are we? What, what's gone when we die? Because the body is still yeah. there, but something's gone because, you know. That, that, yeah. yeah. And it, it is consciousness. It is who we are and, and, uh, a lot of people for a long time said it was a soul that there was sort of, it was called dualism that, you know, we have the physical form, but we have this soul that inhabits us and lives inside of us. So you've got two physical body, immortal soul. Um, and that we don't believe that. And the Bible doesn't even teach that. And the phrase immortal soul is not even in the Bible. Right. Um, but there was a, a great Bible study finds the phrase immortal soul. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul, it doesn't exist. Paul yeah. talks about the, the carnal side. mind and the uh, spiritual mind. I guess I guess you could say that's similar to what I think your, you know, folks were talking about thinking they have a that spirit inside them. But sorry, David, go ahead. So the the, the other side of uh, of that uh, is also that when you're talking when you when you listen to evolution, what is it? It is the philosophy of man, right? So it is unproven so you'd have to uh, approach it with a, with a certain amount of faith so you have to take a few things on rope that something something actually did happen uh, we can't prove that it happened but we, we we say it happened therefore this is this yeah so when you talk about theistic evolution you're taking the philosophy of man and trying to meld it with the philosophy of god all right so what we have is the bible which is god's philosophy if we want to cast it in that term yeah sure we kind of fit man into that, whereas we should, fit, we should see what God says and go with that. Yeah. Yeah. And not, and not blindly. Um, and, and there's been some people who have written beautiful things and, and made other presentations on this. This isn't a blind faith. You know, you, people who openly, you know, like we do, say that we believe in creation and who work around people who don't believe in God, don't believe in a creation, you know, or a god or any of it they'll sort of laugh and go oh you know it's like believing in fairy tales and and you know that's not very sort of you know or of you um and that's not really the case that it both sides take faith you know it takes faith right. to believe what they believe because it can't be replicated it can't be reproduced under experimental conditions um they, they will have to take on faith what they say to be the case and their theories are still developing. There's a lot they still don't know. Yeah. Um, whereas what we what we say and what God says about himself, like Larry was saying, you know, the Bible is 
provable from multiple different avenues. Therefore, we can trust that what God says about himself in the Bible is true. But then even if we just step back from the Bible, we can see God in what we see around us. So, so he reveals himself. You don't even have to own a Bible to be able to come to, or, you know, you don't even have to be able to read. And many people throughout history have not even been able to read, didn't have formal educations, weren't able to do Bible study for, you know, it's only been since the printing press in Europe that people were able to have their own, you know, personal copies and to be able to study the Bible. Yeah. Um, so God had to reveal himself in other ways to show his existence, um, to reach out to us. And I think that's the beauty of creation and the beauty of existence, the beauty of, you know, even just looking up in, um, into the universe and these beautiful images coming back from like um, the uh, Philip Webb uh, Space Telescope. Oh, yeah. I was just talking about that earlier today. Absolutely just breathtaking yeah. image from those and just galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy. And you just think, you know, it's so hard for us to grasp the concept of eternity, that something could have existed forever. It was always there, will be, always be there. And then you look at those images and you just think, I'm astounded. Yeah. Like God, God, is, God is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and just when you think you're reaching the limit of something, you find this. You build some better technology that takes you even further. That takes you even yeah. further. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, or the other way, it takes you, you know, down to the more micro, even further down into the, the more. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. yeah, it goes both ways, right? It's yeah. uh, quite fascinating. Yeah. I mean, all the way down into, depending on if physics is people's particular thing or if maths is a particular thing, um, mathematicians are fascinating. And to read some of them have written, um, what they have written um, about the answers that they search and search and count and it's beyond us it's beyond us and some people have driven that literally have some people have driven themselves mad trying to prove the answers and to find the the source yeah. of it all and and they've gone mad and and I, I it, it makes me sad when when I see people that that they just begin and we were saying with Larry if you begin with an answer your your search will always be biased if you begin with the assumption god can't exist i refuse to accept a higher power i refuse to accept god exists and then everything you do is based off of that you're blinding yourself to certain lines of evidence yeah and it makes me really sad to read things watch things talk to people where they absolutely you cannot talk to them around god potentially existing and they will shut you down along every yeah. line of reason and that, that would bring God into it. And, and they just, they're looking for answers that they will never find yeah. because they're refusing to incorporate a possibility that, that they just feel is impossible. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I've wondered that too. And I've asked that question of people who are uh, very steadfast evolutionists. Um, well, if evolution exists, what, isn't it possible that God created it? No, 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 no. And well, why not? And it's just because there's almost a, um, obtuseness to it, to just wanting to believe that there is a more intelligent, uh, that there is an intelligent designer and that it was divinely created. 
Um, yeah. And, and I, I don't exactly understand the because I don't have it, the psychology behind that. And I don't know if it's because there's a um, because it's hard to believe that there's somebody who created us who um, is all knowing, all powerful that they exist, or is it because there's the idea of well, if there is, then if I admit that, then I should also say I have a responsibility, I or I should either have a responsibility to live up to that to the standards that they wish, or I choose a life that's Opposition. contrary contrary to that. Yeah, I, I, I know. know. I know. Yeah. Well, so like with Richard Dawkins and the rest of the New Atheists, there's sort of like a Christopher Hitchens and the rest of the New Atheists, right? This was you know. Uh, Richard Dawkins wrote The God Delusion, and this is where a lot of people began to think, ah, finally science has the answer to why God can't exist and why everyone who believes in him uh, might as well believe in fairies. And reason two for him is he cannot accept the things that happen in this world that we live in if there is a God. He says, what I see around me, that the, the cruelty, the sadness... If there was a God, those things wouldn't happen. Therefore, I'm seeing these things happen. Therefore, because I can't accept a God who would allow that to happen, he doesn't exist. And really, and it's the Christian God that he refuses to accept because he's sort of made space that, you know, potentially other other people's gods, maybe there's more evidence for them or something, but it's the Christian God. He's He can't reconcile suffering and difficulty in this world with the existence of God. And I, that's a whole nother question is, well, what is God's character? Who is he? Comes back to what was his purpose in creating us? Where did the suffering come from? Why does it exist? Will it always exist? But for a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of the things I've read, it comes from that. No. So like we try, we say at the beginning of the podcast, um, we take it, we try to take these topics and conversations and and using the Bible as a foundation, uh, we try to apply it to our daily lives. So I, for, for any listener, let's, because the listeners could be from Christadelphia. They could be from other churches, faiths, or it could be an atheist. It could be an evolutionist. Listen to this purely based on uh, looking at the title and, and saying, okay, I want to see what these, what this is about. So from a psych, psychological perspective, Carrie, and a scientific perspective, David, talk to the person who believes evolution and then maybe talk to the person who believes creation to, to help kind of guide or solidify uh, the belief that, that they, obviously I don't necessarily want to solidify the evolutionist belief, but the creation, yeah. I think you know what I'm saying. Um, what would you say to them? Let's like at the high school or age where the, where they're being it's or or university where it's really being shoved down their down their down their throat and in their yeah. textbooks and things because what's not being put in their textbooks is God created the heavens and the earth. It's evolution. It's this. It's that. Among other things that are being forced down this generation's throats right now. What, what might you say to them? Um, well, I mean, the, the part of the question has to start with the person themselves, where, where they are um, in, in their own sort of 
experience of the world. So uh, do they believe in a God? Have they ever believed in a God? Is it something that they grew up sort of with, you know, that op open to the possibility? Some people grow up with a concept of God, but a really sort of fuzzy concept because their family wasn't super clear about it. They didn't read the Bible much, didn't talk much about it. Yeah, there's a God, but I don't know much about him. And yeah, maybe I'll go to heaven when I die. So some people are like that. Other people have, you know, grown up sort of agnostic, not caring one way or the other. So it'll depend on the individual person. And some people have had really difficult experiences and maybe they did believe in God, but in, in, whatever way happened, God let them down. The God they thought they believed in didn't exist anymore because of the things they went through. And, and when they needed God the most, he wasn't there. Sure. So it depends on who you're talking to yeah. um, and sort of how, how you would sort of come to the, the to question. So with somebody who had really um, gone through awful, difficult circumstances or, or just saw the awful, difficult circumstances and struggle with that concept of how can there be suffering i would talk about well why is there suffering where did that begin you know if they you know had already believed in god um but they hadn't really known him maybe because they, they didn't know how could suffering exist if god existed with somebody who never believed in god i, I would come to it from that sort of well look at this incredible creation around us they just that the, even even from a psychological point of view, like you're asking me, there is research now into or as in A W E, or and what that does for us, and that the the stopping and experiencing nature and beauty and all that's around us, and how good for us that actually is on a psychological, um, in and a well being level. Yeah. Um, and I would start with him on that, like and and somebody yeah. who. Yeah, it's it sort of depends, and and somebody who maybe sort of you know there might be a God, but I'm not really sure. I'd say, well, you know, do you believe the Bible is true? And and you have to sort of already go, well, what do you believe? Yeah. And let's talk about it from there. I always start, you know, what do you believe? Where are you at? What's your experience? And we'll right. go from there, and we'll sort of follow along as we go. That's 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 always been my way. And, and, you know, it, depending on the age and, and stage and level of the person, you just sort of go from there. And it takes time. It's not yeah. a one-off conversation. It's a, it's, it can be, Larry would know. <laughs> it's a, it can be years. It, it can truly, you know, oh, a, person's, sure. a person's life and journey of faith, you know, isn't often sort of a, you know, like a lightning bolt hit and boom, they believe it all instantly and it's all just super clear in their heads and they're absolutely dedicated for, for all of us, whether we grew up with belief or without, it's a process. I think um, if I uh, if, if I give that approach, I would say, hey, you know, the, whether it be an evolutionist or someone who believes in God and, and creation, I would say, well, take away your any preconceived ideas or under undertones that you you might have there, and actually look at things critically. Yeah, and this is the, I guess, the scientific approach. That's, you know, yeah. So look at things critically. Does it make sense? Does it around you? you know, is there something there which you need to delve deeper into and actually do that? You know, don't be lethargic. Actually take a critical eye and have a look. And you know, so you know, evolution, okay, well, they're saying this. Does that fit what you know about science? 
about empirical science, about provable science. Does it fit? Bible, you know, have a look at the Bible. Does what you're reading in the Bible fit what you're, you actually believe about God, about uh, what his purpose is? Actually critically think about it. So search all things out, whether it be for an evolution stance or whether it be for a creation stance, search yeah. it out. And that's good and too. The- and, and ultimately too, I guess, coming in, in the long run, what do you want? What would you like to have? Would you like to have the possibility of eternal life? And in order to believe that, you'd have to then go the path and the origins that support that. If not, and what you want to do and truly what you are, are content with deciding is that I want to, I'm a good person, I want to live my life, and I'm okay with that being it. You know, I can see that too, and I've had those conversations too. I, I just want to live my life. I don't, you know, and I, and I can respect that, uh, you know. Um, but I appreciate, yeah, both of those, both of those uh, approaches and the, the advice because it's important. That's a very good, that's a very fair, I should say, answer, David. But if you believe evolution, if you believe whatever you believe, search that out. Search that out, see where, see where that takes you. That's great. Listen, listen to all sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's, you know, good advice, you know. Be, be good listeners, you know, listen to the other side. Don't sit there rehearsing what you're going to say next to, you know, throw at the person, you know, to win your side of the argument. Yeah. Be, be willing to hear the stuff that sounds hard to hear or that might challenge you on what you believe and say, tell me more about that. And that that's actually, this is back when I was sort of in high school and early, early years of college. And so, you know, I don't believe in God. Oh, tell me more about that. And I just sort of question, tell me more about that. What makes you believe in evolution? Well, and some people don't have a lot. Well, I don't know because that's just what people say is true. So I'm pretty sure it must be true. Other people, well, this, 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 okay, tell me more. And as long as somebody is being really open to all the evidence and knowing what you're not being told, so this, if, if you are studying science, if you are a scientist, be, be really open to, you know, that critical reading and what aren't you being told? What These are the results you're being shown. These are the results you're having described for you. Now, I do a lot of journal reading and stuff in psychology too. Um what are you being told? What aren't you being told? What were the limitations? What were the conditions under which this experiment occurred? Absolutely. Or the, this theory developed? And and think about that. Yeah. Did, did <clears throat> being fully honest with you? Or are they sort of, you know, sort of bigging up one part of their argument while sort of trying to hide all the, the weaknesses and the flaws that really, if you took them into consideration, it would completely take the whole thing apart. Yeah. Um, um, and that, that that's my way of you know handling that is to say consider all the evidence and again like i said before i you know i'm i'm fully convinced god exists and he created everything and i'm not scared to hear all the evidence yeah <laughs> so one of the one of the originally when we were discussing having you guys on uh i also wanted to bring john popel into it and uh so what we hear is, well, science proves it. Science proves it. Well, does it? I happen to have my brother-in-law, who's a molecular biologist who understands life at the smallest level. And I also know another gentleman who's a nuclear physicist who works in a linear accelerator at Stanford University. And both of them believe in creation. So 
does science really prove it? And if it does, then why are they mm. why are they allowed to remain in their fields? I, I don't know. But. Yeah, and, and it's, it's yeah, it's not just it's not just these. And I really do like how John Popel describes it in his faith talk that he says, you know, he doesn't as a scientist he doesn't just take things on you know random information. He went like David wants the information. He bases it on best available evidence and the best available evidence for him as a, a physicist still and especially looking up at the universe and all the rest of it the best available evidence indicates there was a designer that there is you know very clear evidence of intentional yeah intelligent design that that, that it's designed that there's just too much perfection and um that the careful fine tuning of everything just how it all fits yeah. together and one tiny little, you know, this or that can throw everything out, whether that's on the astronomical universal level, or we know how frail our human bodies oh, are, yeah. how frail the ecosystems are that we live in. Look, look at the climate change and everything that's going on with that. Just little tiny things can throw everything else out of whack. And you, humans aren't improving things and, and things don't improve naturally on their own. And that's that law of entropy again from physics. Things tend towards <laughs> chaos, not towards order. So going on that too, the the design, going back to the to the DNA, just looking at the DNA strand, how was that not designed? Or and just looking at the, just sit here and look at your hand, assuming you have the one, uh, if you're the listener, look at your hand and just move the hand around and the fingers and just understanding that that your the 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 brain making the command decision to do that, sending the impulses down through the neurons and all these things down through the nerve systems and into the muscle fibers to actually make these things happen. Or the eyeball, just look at the eyeball by itself, let alone all the things that are had to come together to make that. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just well, incredible. On, on that sort of that, that, you know, moving your hand and that kind of a thing. And this really helps people sometimes the the level of fine calculations your brain must make for you to walk across a room from from one side to the other and maybe walk around a chair and then sit down the fine calculations your brain must accomplish are more complicated than the math it took for them to um orbit the moon and return to earth yeah and you I've... know how yeah. complicated that a room full of people and all the math and all the scientists and all the, the computers because they were human computers at the time. It can't happen by chance. You, you, they didn't go to the moon by chance. They didn't, you know, orbit the moon by chance. How how did we happen by chance? So <laughs> I wanted to say that real okay. quick though. Yeah, yeah. If you are driving while you're listening to this, do not look at your hand. <laughs> do not look at your eyeball. Pull the mirror down and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't look, look at my eyeball. <laughs> I but the, and that's part of the part of the issue though uh, um we have a culture that sort of nurtures feelings over over facts and we have um some people some individuals are willing to search things out a lot of folks just want you to tell them like summarize it for me uh attention spans are so short <laughs> the like the, the the little mini videos, like YouTube videos, were too long for people. So now people watch like 10, mm -hmm. 20 second videos on TikTok and things like that. Um, and I just I just don't see those those folks sitting down, opening up the Bible, and without without help. And I think I think it's okay to get get help. I definitely had help. 
because I had a lot of questions. Um, but you have to have that curious, I think that curious mind and not, uh, and, and not be willing to just get the 20, give me the 20 second summary. Come on, you know, uh, type till, but anyway, yeah, well, the 20 second summary maybe for some people might be the, the, the tasting plate where they, and, and I've known people where it was just sort of, Oh, that was interesting. They might either read like a short little pamphlet or they hear a talk somewhere. Oh, that was interesting. They sort of tuck it away in the back of their mind. And then they sort of, you know, it comes back to their mind and something else sort of brings it up again. They see something else that's sort of, and then they come back again. They, they had the taster. Yeah. And then they come back. Like because they go, the seed. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. again, you know, and, and you know what? God works in people's lives in different ways to magnify that sometimes. And he is calling, the Bible tells us, he he's calling anyone who's willing to listen and who is actually sort of open and receptive. If we sort of, you know, keep our heads down and keep too much noise and stress happening in our lives, we might not ever notice or hear the call or we might see the events in our lives as just random chance, you know, things that just got in the way. But we could sort of stop and, and try to accept that there might be in these things and to, to look outside ourselves. I think oh, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's the point which people look outside themselves. Um, and that's, again, psychologically really, really healthy. It's that point of sort of stop, stop everything. And that's that mindfulness kind of, you know, moment of the quiet, the noise, still your mind and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and those tend to be the times when you can still the the busyness, the stress, the this, the that, trying to control every aspect of everything that's happening in your life. When you just stop and just be, you can hear God, you can see God working oh, in yeah. your life. But it, it, it is it is that it is that becoming still, right? So I mean, in people will have circumstances in their life when they will be still, and there'll be those moments when they've heard things in their past which will trigger memories which will bring them to a you know to a to a knowledge of god or, or wanting to search him out so yeah it so never a a, a 40 second word is, is is never in vain because somebody might you know 10 years if we're still got 10 years 10 years down the track may say oh i remember that time i was listening to a podcast by peter and larry and uh, that 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 just resonated with me I'm gonna go search that out. Yeah. So these things, these things can happen. Yeah, those yeah, are some sure. of my favorite conversations. That my most recent, you know, conversation like that was in a, a Bible bookstore here in the city, and it was, you know, the girl was looking for a book, and um, you know, circumstances were difficult in her life, and you know, I said, "How's everything going?" Because she seemed a bit upset, and um, I said, "Oh, you know, here's a book I've really enjoyed. This is one I'm buying today." We talked for a little while. And just in that little kind of conversation, we got each other's names. I know what church she goes to. She knows where I go. She asked what she asked first, what church do you go to? And I told her and she went, ah, yeah. I, I may never see her again, but I know I know what things are sort of happening in her life. And just in that little moment, she knew that there was somebody, one, somebody who cared, but somebody who also was open to sort of talking more about it and saying, and this was around suffering, you know, I think there might be more to it. I, I think sometimes God reaches out and talks to us this way. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Like as much as we'll never understand how God made everything he made. Yeah. There are things that it won't be until the kingdom comes and we can see Jesus face to face. It might not be till then that any of this makes sense. Or it might, you know, might not be till 20 years down the road. Why did that thing happen? Well, that's why that thing happened. 20 years later, you just didn't know who you were going to meet. So talking about creation then. Uh, 
we believe that creation took place roughly how long ago? 6,000 years ago, right? Yep. Okay. So with that, if, if, uh, if creation took place about 6,000 years ago, then, then wh how do we explain the, how do we explain the fossils that we do have that, that could possibly be older than that? How do we explain dinosaurs and so on? Because that is obviously one of the, uh, yeah, that, that is a, that is a good question. Yeah. There is a way you can think about it and, and, we don't know the answer to that, right? So we, we know what the Bible says, but we do know that in Genesis chapter one, there it says, "and the and the earth was without form and void." Yeah. So there seems to be an existence of the globe. All right. So was there a previous creation? Perhaps. Yeah. And so there's some things that we can philosophize on, and were they? Yeah. Was, was there a situation where the, this that creation had dinosaurs on it? Perhaps. Yeah. We don't know. We can't categorically say these things. Is that where um, angels came from? You know, is well, that the... yeah. And the the other alternative, or one of the other alternatives, and we can't limit God, um, is that God created the earth with the the semblance of yep. age. Because yep. if you think about it, how old were Adam and Eve on day six of creation? Zero. That was the day they were born or created. How old did they look? Thirty, thirty-five, maybe. Yeah. But they weren't. They weren't 35. They were zero. They were brand new, but they looked 35 or 40 or 50 yeah. or 100 or whatever they looked, but they weren't. So God God can do anything he created. You know, the trees were fully formed with fruit hanging on them. How long? I mean, oak yeah. trees take hundreds of years to mature. So, so were the fossils put into the earth, right? Are they, are they tests for faith? I mean, these are things you've got to consider. Uh, there, are, there are many avenues... In many ways, you can think about it. Um, you know, are, are, are they? You know, what? What are they? Something that's going to take you away from God, or are they something that's going to bring right. you to God? That's what I was going to say. Is is it going to help to ponder on those things? Man, I, uh, not really. Yeah, I mean, no. some people have minds that do, right? Some people have minds that want to explore. But as long as you've got a controlled mind, exploration is fine. Yeah. If you don't have a controlled mind, then you can drag yourself in all sorts of directions and get lost. That's a good point. So, yeah. So you have to do it in a well-controlled environment. Yeah. Okay. I would imagine, I mean, people kind of go down the, the rabbit hole, the proverbial rabbit hole and can reason themselves to, you know, to insanity, trying to come yeah. up with answers that we're not going to, you know, not going to be able to, to uh, find. Um, yeah. This, this this is something I, I find really interesting. If I can, like, chuck in a verse at the end of what David was saying as I was looking at it quickly. Yeah. Um, from Second Thessalonians 2, which I think is, like, today's Bible readings even, um, that um, because people refused to love truth and be saved, God sends a strong delusion so that they believe what's false mm -hmm. in order that they would be condemned because they had no who they didn't believe the truth and had no pleasure in righteousness so sort of a god will let you believe what he wants you to believe and sometimes you know it's it's the if we could stand on two opposite sides of the room and describe what we're seeing neither of us would be wrong but if we don't actually take each other's perspective and see the room from each side you know we just won't know and some people could be believing things that aren't true because they're refusing to sort of actually search out that evidence, like we were saying, and God will allow them to believe that delusion if yeah. that's what they choose. 
no, that's, that's really mm. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, not much I can I'll, say on that. Yeah. I wondered about that. Well, back to Adam and Eve. I was going to bring this up earlier. Um, what's always interested me is, is it dawned on me one day reading it that they, cause you were saying that they, they were zero, but they look like maybe like they're in their thirties and, and old enough to, well, conceive and have, have, you know, have children. Right. Um, that they had language. That yeah, they, spoke, exactly. they talked to God. <laughs> they they had a language, obviously for each other. They they seemed to have had like a knowledge of of I mean a vast knowledge of things, uh, just kind of um, automatically or just. I just I just always found that interesting. That uh, I've read that so many times and never thought. Oh wait a minute, they're talking. They're talking. Oh, they're yeah. Communicating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very good. Going back to the to the um, to the fossils, then evolution. Okay, the idea of evolution. So, in order for evolution to have really truly occur, and over how many how many? Okay, so what? How many hundreds of years are we talking now? Because that's another one. Another thing I've 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 seen and found is that evolution itself evolves, and as time does, goes yeah. on, it constantly changes to fit the new research or to fit the new whatever so evolution itself evolves but how how long now are we talking back to where they believe it began oh where they believe life yeah correct yeah billion billions of years i said the universe is billions of years old and that life life is something like 30 30 billion years something like that okay that's what people and so in that period of time it went from the ooze to so on, so on, so on, to then a primate, and then however many millions of years later, a Homo sapien, correct? So that's what they say. Yeah. So where is the fossil evidence of that? Where is the fossil evidence of that? And where, where do we see well, now? Like, why is there still? This has always boggled my mind. Why is there still a pure primate and a pure? homo sapien and there's nothing between question isn't it if, and and this sort of goes back to what i was saying about francis galton and and some of my major problems when we're just talking about human evolution you know and people believing in and you know evolutionary anthropology kind of stuff um the evidence they'll say at least as far as human existence they'll say you know we you see that sort of chain of people you know the monkey sort of looking one and he gets a little bit taller and straighter and his head gets a little bit rounder as right. it goes on um so that they base that on um incomplete skeletal remains that they have found in various parts of the earth um and not and this the, I, I think this is one of the hey i didn't even realize what you weren't telling me kind of questions stop and think about this when they show you we have found new evidence for early man da, 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 da. Okay. How many skeletons did you find? How complete were they? Exactly. Um, how many of them were there together? What was their civilization structure like? How many tools did they have with them? No, there's never more than one. Um, they, they have certain head shapes, facial feature shapes. Um, and, and a really good example, and this actually, somebody stopped talking to me because I had this conversation with them, but, um, but a few years ago, they said they found a hobbit human. 
um, oh, it's very exciting. They found this little skeleton up in this cave in oh, the Philippines. Yes, I saw that. Absolutely, absolutely tiny, tiny, tiny little early, you know, version of humans. Very well mummified. Hmm. And um, what they actually discovered was when they did the genetic testing, no, it was just, a, you know, from however many few hundred years ago, Filipino person. But they had been very, very willing to say that, no, this is not human, it's a hobbit. So that that sort of made that point too. You, you find random skeletons. Now, again, thinking of this from sociological, psychological point of view, you find a, a humanoid sort of skeleton or whatever it happens to look like. It might be in a cave. It might have had a burial. I don't see more than one. I don't see evidence of a, an entire civilization or, or tribe there together that lived there for quite a long time together. What I do perhaps see is evidence that somebody with a, a physical malformation or disability was loved by its community and given a burial there. You only find one who had that facial feature. Right. You only find one who had that that back hunched, that that whose brain case was was quite small. You find one. You find evidence of a burial. What you may be looking at is evidence of a tribe who valued that person in a potentially if they were severely disabled and brought yeah. nothing in the sense of and, they, they weren't maybe contributing. Um, and, and that's my question is how strong was that evidence? How excited did everybody get? There's evidence of a new species of human. Is there? How complete was the skeleton? Yeah. How many skeletons were there? And what evidence of their civilization do you find? You, you really don't. And the problem is the descriptions of, you know, the, the thicker brow ridge and the, the thicker this and the thicker that and the faith, what they're describing, and this does come from Charles Darwin and Francis Galton, his cousin, it comes from the sense that fully evolved humans look mighty European with smaller brow ridges and, you know, ah. nasal um, bridges that, that are shaped like this and they're about this tall and their bones are about like this because they believed in eugenics and what they were holding up as the highest level of human evolution was a European skeleton. And anything that didn't look European, anything that might have had a very heavy brow ridge that might have been an Aboriginal Australian potentially yeah, with correct. a different sort of right. facial features was less evolved it wasn't fully human and oh my gosh don't we know where that went that that was the science hitler used to yeah. say yep. we have some accidental leftovers from evolution that they haven't quite died off yet we need to get rid of them and he was also getting rid of people with disabilities and things too yeah. and it's heartbreaking and i think no no matter what your facial features look like no matter what your doesn't matter if you were born with a physical malformation, as I was. Um, you are fully human. No matter what your level of intelligence, you are fully human. Yeah. And God created as much as he created anything. So, so that that's my answer to those yeah. fossils and artifacts. So that's a, to go on to the, um, on that point, the, 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 the bones that they do find, like Lucy and whoever else or whatever, all these things. They seem to be exactly like you're saying the malformations, they were either malnourished, they had congenital things or whatever. And what, 
I see is happening is they find evidence of these um, people, and they say this is this is the this isn't the exception to the rule. This is the rule. And whereas we look at it now, and we still have that now, and it's um, even though they are human beings, there there may be congenital issues, malformations, mutations, so on and so forth. And that, I just see that as being the case. You show a person that has, uh, that li- one of those people that lived in a, um, I think it was in Russia, Siberia or something, that there was a person that never saw daylight. And they wore, their skin was um, see-through. Their bones mm. were, um, it was amazing but if that person had died and a thousand years from now someone finds their bones in the in the woods of siberia and says look we found more evidence no that that was just a human being that was that didn't have the same circumstances as somebody else that that might have had to a good diet good medicine and so on yeah and and you know sort of the things that will happen when people grow up um, in an area that had like radiation spillage yes. and, and the children are born with, um, and again, here's, right. here's you know, evidence that mutations are not usually beneficial, um, but that a, a different looking skeleton and, and physical differences don't make you less human. Right. And it's just, it's a sad assumption and it, it is a really, it's a big assumption and it also assumes that there's an ideal most highly evolved version of human uh, we're all homo sapiens you know that that's the class we're given and we're all currently homo sapiens although i did recently hear that they're saying there was a sort of a branch of people who might still sort of be a little bit neanderthal oh. slash also oh yeah <laughs> the other thing, 23 and me yeah the other, thing, the, other thing, the other thing you think of is uh things like examples of modern day you got the zika virus and yeah. micro Microcephaly, microcephaly. Microcephaly. Yeah, the, so the, the pregnant women who got um, the Zika virus, yeah. the children, the, their brain case area, that essentially all they had was a brain stem, no, yeah. no white brain. Yeah. And, and, and secondly, you can think of anthropologically, that what do people do in, in, in situations where there's something different in their community? They either raise it up to be, they either raise it up to be something of a miracle and, 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 and godlike and treat it with absolute respect, or they shun it. So they're going to be separated from the community. And then it's, it's the anomaly. It is. It's yeah. But it's, I, and, I don't and know. I think that there's societally too, right now, there's a lot of, uh, you know, that that's a, that's a big thing. Um, the evolution of things, uh, not necessarily, I don't want to do, dive into this. I'm just saying it's an example of, the direction some of these go is, is sex and gender and things, um, you know, uh, how you identify. Right. And uh, anyway, I I don't mean to digress with that, but it's just examples Um, too of, of how things, how things change. We find, we find, uh, skeletal remains of somebody from hundreds of years ago. We don't know. We can only go by what scientifically we know. This was a, you know, male or female, given some of the bone structure and things and nobody knows how that person identified live their life you know or, or live like their that. life yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think there, there's even right now there there are um, 
so many differences in, in just, just culture alone. And then um, there are people that live, um, you know, a thousand people in a building versus people that live a couple people out in the, um, you know, huts and things and, and like tr more tribal, uh, more tribal cultures. You know, we, we're existing at the same time, but mm -hmm. say th a thousand years from now, if someone came and came across these different, um, you know, these tribal, tribal folks from so South America, that are about five feet tall versus these, you know, <laughs> people in, oh, I don't know, like, um, the Netherlands who are, you know, average heights, like six feet tall and, uh, living they, in a big building. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, and they're all buried together in this big cemetery. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, there's a, the assume the assumptions again, that those had to have been a different time. Those had to have been a different type of, of, uh, being, but they're not. No, it's, it's, I, I like the analogy and I can't, I can't really remember where it was from and I don't remember the full thing, but that sense of, um, you know, everyone wearing blindfolds and they're all, they put their hands, you know, tell me, tell me what's this, this object in front of you and three people and one describes, you know, it's very long and they can't see very long and sort of long and thin. It's a snake. And another one touches all the, the roughness and says, oh, no, it's the side of a brick building. And the other one holds the other the other end of it. Oh, it's got this brushy thing at the very, it must be a broom. And they take the blindfolds off. It's an elephant. Yeah, it's you an touch elephant. Yeah. You touch the trunk. I touch the body. He touched the tail. We all would genuinely it's all, say. It's all perspective. Yeah. yeah. But none of us saw the whole picture. And when we all took the blindfolds off and saw what we, oh, you got to take it all together. Oh, Okay. That's right. a, it's a it's an old Indian thing, right? Like actual India, there's the different I, I people. There's there's a picture of the, of the elephant, and they're all on it from different perspectives, and they all yeah. see something different. Yeah. yeah, which is just sort of a good lesson for life in general. That yeah. you know you can only see what you can see, and and you know you don't know you can't see life through the other person's eyes or experience necessarily. So talking to each other, but. Um, yeah, be humble enough to know when we don't know something. And as Bible believers, we know God has told us we can't know everything. I mean, probably beside the fact because some stuff is just too mind-blowing, like eternity. Like we just had that conversation with the kids the other day, eternity, like from forever till forever. But how does that work? And we're like, I don't know, because it sort of hurts your brain the more you think about it. <laughs> but yeah. Something just occurred to me. To, um, so David, in scripture, aside from creation, what is something that strikes you as, as a scientist, where you go, huh, I really, I really like this. You see something scientific in the Bible that's maybe not necessarily explained as scientific. Does that make sense? Is there something that in, no. in scripture where you're the great, like some examples <laughs> of things that you see as a scientist and go, I understand that. And that's a great, that's a, that's a great example of whatever. Does that make sense? Sort of. Um, I have to think about that one, though. <laughs> and I'm more, more not necessarily the miraculous things like uh, the parting of the Red Sea and so on and so forth. And then psychologically, other good examples throughout Scripture psychologically of what one thing I guess we we have now all seen and talked about. Uh, or seeing Jason Hensley's classes that he did for Idlewild 
Uh, yeah. And those of you that haven't seen it, you can go on to uh, YouTube and type in PCCBS uh, or P Pacific Coast Christadelphian Bible School. And you can look up uh, from the year of 2022, Jason Hensley's classes on Elijah. And psychologically, I, I, I saw Elijah basically the way Jason depicts it in it as a, almost like a super, superhero figure that I can't yeah. relate to. I can't relate to a superhero. I mean, as, <laughs> as wonderful as I might be, <laughs> which I'm not. Don't um, that shoulder out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't relate to the superhero, but the character that Jason brings out scripturally isn't just – you know, this is just as Jason Hensley's version of the Bible. No, it's scripturally. Um, I look at Elijah differently, and, and a lot of it had to do with social awkwardness and 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 things like that. Uh, maybe even anxiety to a point. And it's more yeah. humanistic now. I just I just kind of like while we're talking about science and psychology for the person who's listening and talking yeah. about something that's applicable in our daily lives, something like that to where we go, huh? That's right. Yeah, I, I think for me, while well, David thinks, I'll, I'll chuck in here, um, like two different verses that that I'm like, yeah, that that's exactly what current you know things being, um, you know, published in psychological journals um, and worked into rehabilitations and therapies. Here's some verses um, that stuffing down your emotions and pretending you're not having them. That's not healthy um, because it will come out in unhealthy behaviors. And a great verse for that, because my, my research this past year was on people who are in prison for um, very violent offenses. And the rehabilitation program is around, can we reduce their risk of violence? Will they be safe in the community? Um, and looking at that program and a great verse that really stood out as I was going through my research was be angry and sin not. We were not told, don't be angry. Yeah, you're a human. You're going to get angry sometimes. But when you get angry, don't sin. So keep God's principles in your life. So I went, yeah, that, that's consistent. Because what we would do with somebody in one of those violence prevention programs is to say, what are your triggers? What, what makes you angry? What's a situation that comes up? Or, uh, you know, you haven't eaten lunch or you didn't sleep last night. You've done your drugs today okay, now you're more likely to be angry. What should you do to avoid acting out in anger and violence and aggression? And there's the Bible saying, be angry, but don't sin. You don't have to sin. You can be angry without sinning. And another great one that sort of underpins all psychological therapy is that, you know, don't be renewed by the transformation of your mind, that changing your mind can change your life. Changing, not just changing your mind. Oh, I used to like red and now I like blue. Not that kind of changing, but change your perspective. Stop. Take stock of things and how you're engaging with the world around you. Check your belief systems. You're in, and some of your belief systems could be inaccurate. You could be acting out of sort of assumptions again. Yeah. Um, and we'd work around those false assumptions and your, the, your engagement with the world. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and just working with that person's mind can change their life. And I went, oh, that is so true. And there it was in the Bible. 
thousands of years before psychologists were creating it into their therapies. So there's two of mine. That's great. (laughs) A lot of that sounds like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Exactly. Replacing those (laughs) automatic thoughts and yeah, changing, changing behaviors, reactions to that. I was going to say, and and that's good to find that in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, And I mean, I guess psychologically, there's so many really interesting accounts of people's lives and you go, I get that. I'll give one more example, Jonah. And you think, what was Jonah, you know, why he he jumps in the boat, he runs away when God calls him to be a prophet to Nineveh. He says, I'm sending you to Nineveh. I want you to go tell them to repent. And he says, absolutely not. And and he runs away as hard as he can. And and you think, gosh, that's really rude and he shouldn't be doing these things. He goes and sits on a mountain after he's done it and he sits on top of the, the mountain looking down over the plain, looking down to Nineveh repent and that God blows them up and you think that is absolutely awful what is he doing and then you stop and realize what the Assyrians did to people that they captured and what they did to the the cities that they were overtaking the best comparison would be ISIS Mm. and the types of hideous violence that were committed against people like not just soldiers but regular people and I get it now I get why Jonah was like no, I can't forgive them. And God, don't you dare forgive them either. So, you know, it's just interesting, you know, Peter really resonated with Elijah and the talks that Jason Hensley did. And I think just a quick little example of Jonah, you go, it makes sense. He the, he was traumatized by what they'd done and he didn't know how to forgive them. And God was calling him to forgive them and, and to be like God who was willing to extend forgiveness even to people who committed things like that and how hard it can be for us when God challenges us in, in those, you know, I, I get Jonah down. <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing uh, I find uh, really interesting is God set down principles of how to live in a family structure, uh, in a community and, and how to actually live. But, but mankind went his own way. But now you're finding it coming back, looking at the principle. Yeah, people who are looking at social uh, social matters are saying, well, a good family structure is a good way to bring up children. Yeah, and, and, and they'll bring in a socially acceptable uh, environment. So the, the principles that God set down is now what man's coming back to is saying, oh, well, this is how we should live. And I think, yeah, this being the Bible itself, its message being proven through what man is now doing, is actually quite fascinating. So everything that we've talked about here uh, in these episodes um, with creation, evolution, faith, uh, science, psychology, these things, um, and how we've been able to kind of bring it back to our daily lives and how we can see God in our lives and, and look at things from like the scientific approach, right, that, that you talked about, David, um, and having an open mind and understanding emotions and, and, and so on. Uh, so knowing that we are from here are going to go into talk about prophecy uh, in, this, in this series of, of interviews that we're going to do um, and talking about God's plan for the earth. And initially... God's plan for the earth began with the idea and creation. 
and uh, next, when we see that and we see these things that, are, that help us to um, solidify our faith and going along with that is, is prophecy like uh, was talked about earlier. How, how would you guys bring this to a conclusion with everything we've talked about here tonight? Now, almost like a summary of the big points and, and big things for people to take away. I know it's um, two, two, <laughs> hours, two hours worth of interview yeah. uh, that we've That's done okay. and spread out over two or three episodes. Um, well, I, like I you, know it's a lot. But. You were both saying about the creation being purpose-driven. And that gives us, I think that gives us a, a sense of hope that in itself, um, rather than believing in, believing in an, a theory that of total randomness and chance and um, that there isn't a creator, a designer in control. And I think that's what's brought, brought me the most comfort um, as I've um, gr- grown in the truth is that, you know, and it's when I, when I am taking that time out, when I am taking that that um, time to be present and kind of get away from what I have to do tomorrow and, you know, what I regret from yesterday. Um, I, it's only in those times when I can kind of relax and tell myself God's in control. So it doesn't really matter. I'm worrying about nothing right now. It's not going to really help matters. So God's in control. That's been like the greatest comfort for me. Um, Yeah. And that's a that's a good point too. Is like you're talking about the the Webb telescope, the Hubble telescope, things that we can see in this universe, and understanding how small we are. And if God can control that, and if God is control of these things, I am I am I am not that big a thing. I'm not that big a thing in His plan, and and I'm it's it's kind of humbling. It, it is humbling, and to see that to see God out there. Um, very, and uh, anyone that might be on the border of evolution or creation, I think it brings much more faith and beauty to how I believe of God, what I believe of God, and seeing that. And like I talked about earlier, the, the eyeball, the hand, uh, you know, the things that we're seeing in these telescopes, I think it's just unbelievable to believe uh, that it was designed. And that's just. I think, I think uh, wonderful. I think uh, one thing you can you can consider as well is and we did talk about this a little bit is that you do need to uh, search out everything. So don't take anything told to you on rote. Yeah, you know, don't get stuck in the minute detail. Step back, look broadly, look more globally, and have a look where it all fits in. Yeah. Does it actually fit in, or is it is it is it a piece you're trying to force into a you know like what they say a round peg into a square hole yeah. or the other way? But you know, yeah, just really take a step back, look from an up, up on high, down on what you look at contemplating, and where does it fit? Because you know, in the end, um, you need to search out all things and put it into perspective. I think uh, is a, a a nice a nice quote from the Psalms, Psalm eight that says. When I look to, at, at your heavens and the and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea 
whatsoever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So it's, uh, David loves that quote. Yeah. And I, I can give you my two if you want. Yeah. I had two short ones. So one of the ones that sort of, you know, my my wrap up, my summary and, you know, my takeaways that I'd love for people to have as like verses that, have, you know, sort of encapsulate everything we've said. So one is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the other one was one of the verses David said at the beginning um, from Acts 17, starting at verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, but in him we live and move and have our being. And I love that on so many levels, but especially that he's not far from each one of us and that he wants us to seek him. And if we just be still and know that he is God, I think that's a great starting point and acknowledging his his majesty and awesomeness and all that he's created. 